Is there a war on stand-up comedy? A whole bunch of recent mini-controversies have been landing popular comedians in lukewarm to hot water on social media. On this week's Dude Suit, we're discussing if the public is just making it impossible to do stand-up in 2019. Welcome. Every time. Every week. We're about lightning bolt, and mm-hmm. Fist grabs the lightning bolt, mm-hmm. and then it takes the lightning bolt and smashes it through a mountain, me- and then the mountain crumbles away, and then it reveals us sitting at the table. Just give me... Four weeks. <laughs> I mean, so, so people have made them on the subreddit. I feel like we could probably just, just steal one. Yeah. No one will never. Well, know. they kind of offered them we'll, up. We'll, we'll call it a contest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The winner gets a twenty dollars gift card. Things because of manpower, things don't move very quickly here in the studio. No. That's why we have a friend's set mm-hmm. sitting right over where I'm looking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that we've done nothing with. Yeah. We will. We should. And I. I just drove by a fountain the other day, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, we could shoot it there. A fountain? Well, there's a fountain nearby the office. It's mm-hmm. a pretty famous fountain. Where is that fountain? Uh, LMU. The the, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the Friends Fountain is in Burbank. Oh. We could On go shoot. Lot, though, yeah, right? yeah, but yeah. you'd have to. Here's the thing, though. We break in to our parent company's our, lot. Because our parent company owns the lot. Which means we're allowed in there. Yeah, I believe that's what that means. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think it, we're entitled to that. Look, we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. This uh, episode of Dude Soup is sponsored by Hems Honey and Square pa- Space. Squarespace. <laughs> Thank you for sponsoring uh, Dude Soup. We will hear more about them later. But uh, first up, talking about stand-up, basically a bunch of recent stand-up comedy specials have been controversial. Um, this is via Cheat Sheet. Uh, jokes in David Chappelle's Sticks and Stones were recently described as misogynistic, homophobic, transphobic, and downright exhausting. Uh, another review said it basically starts with Chappelle making jokes about the two men who made sexual abuse allegations against Michael Jackson in the HBO documentary Leaving Neverland that aired in January. He seemed to side with Jackson and said that even if the accusers are being truthful, they should feel honored to have been molested by such an icon. Uh, which is laughing. laughing already. <laughs> he basically does say that, and it, it reads I, way worse than... Yeah. So you and I have both watched it. <laughs> yeah, when he's yeah. saying it... I've watched it as well. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a dark joke, but... It doesn't read... <laughs> He doesn't sound that bad. It's almost as though performance is part of yeah. comedy. Yeah. And when you have text, it doesn't convey it. It sounds brutal. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but that that's a that that joke makes me laugh, but it's also that's not something Sometimes also <laughs> like you're reading it in a very clinical way. Hmm. And sometimes when someone's relaying a joke in that way, like or an absurd piece of information, that's funny. So like the way that you read it. And you read it as like this is a factual thing, but it's so absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny as well. I think yeah. it's even how you hear it. Uh, that whole bit, uh, which is basically kind of how he starts his special. He says he does believe he he thinks Michael Jackson is innocent, and I just kind of assumed he was lying. I, I was like, I well, actually I think he's saying that for the bit, but I don't actually think he thinks that or is advocating mm-hmm. for he's that. He's setting up the because if he went he if he went like. No, I believe these victims or whatever, and then he tells the joke. Now he's a, now he's a sociopath mm-hmm. yeah. who he sides with them and then makes a joke about them, yeah. which is that's less funny comedically than saying, "Oh, I side with this child molester and alleged child molester," and then now I'm going to make a joke about the victim. Like it doesn't right, right? It's weird. He's I, if I were to analyze it, which I guess you could do with jokes, but it's like explain the character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you're right, and that makes more sense for the setup punchline and mm-hmm. yeah. all that. Yeah, I think but, he maybe plays it so well that people got confused. Again, I could be wrong, but I did not assume that he actually thought Michael I, Jackson was innocent. I 100% wholly believe that because it happens here. It happens here all the time oh. where True. we're doing a video and 
I, I do it to myself constantly where I'm like, I'll say this thing. It's not how I feel. It's not how I agree, but I'll say it because I know it's going to set somebody else up for mm-hmm. a joke or whatever. And then in the future with our fans, I, that becomes my canon. I'm like, no, I don't. Mm. You, have, you, don't have to, yeah. you have to lean into this sort yeah. of made up character or an extreme version of something. So like we just did something today. James on this game. Um, it's like a baby Olympics. Come on, baby. And it's called Come on, baby, and it's missing a comma. Yeah, it's missing a very so vital sounds, comma. Sounds like you're saying Come on, the baby. Yeah, which is, I don't think it's intended. No, I think it's a Korean game or something like that. But oh, either way, there's a part where like Elise is like, she was asking me something like, "Oh, if you have kids, would you put them in a beauty pageant?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, yes." But you wouldn't. No, God, no. Yeah, absolutely, no. But Personally, I know we're saying kids. that. <laughs> <laughs> but I know we're going to say that. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I was like. Yeah, yes, it's, and. it's funnier to lean into the 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 honey boo boo character if you're doing making entertainment. It's not very funny for me to sit there well, and go, "No, I would love and respect my children at least." Next question. It's <laughs> also, if you start every bit by being like, "I'm joking," but then mm-hmm. it completely loses its impact. I think a lot of the way yeah. that Chappelle's special was written is to be shocking. If he does that, it, it reduces the entire shock value of everything he's trying to say. And I yeah. get why you wouldn't be like, no, this isn't serious. You're yeah. here to stand up comedy got, special. You know it's got people serious. talking about it. The, I guess that's a good, good I think that thing. was the plan. The, the least funny thing you can do is explain a joke. It's like yeah. the worst. But that being said, as we are kind of explaining these jokes, and we're not the funniest comedians on the planet. We are comedians, but we are not the funniest comedians by any means. Yeah. Like a good example is sometimes you say something that's so out of left field are so wrong to that character that you are portraying that that's what makes it funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the most recent example I can think of is what's a good name for a girl homemaker? Sure. <laughs> it makes Adam <laughs> It's laugh. a great joke. It, but it doesn't, it, like, number one, <laughs> I'm sorry for explaining it, but it doesn't make any sense. Number Well, number one, I was tipsy. Number, <laughs> number two, doesn't make any sense. What is that? It doesn't even, why would you name that? It's not a pun. It's not anything. Right. Three, it's overtly sexist, which I am not, and none of us are, I hope. Um, so so throwing it out there is like, that is just so completely off base. Right. Without even thinking. Like, it's more of a commentary on how stupid you have to be to suggest that as an option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's what makes it funny, and I know that's what Adam's laughing at. It, it, but, so that's another thing, too. So, like, um, like, like Jess and I... Always, like we laugh a lot at misogynistic humor. Jess is Adam's wife. Jess is my wife. Adam is <laughs> Jess's. Hu- yeah, Adam is Jess's. Jess husband. could could Which be my husband. husband. She is almost the breadwinner of our life. But that's sort of like an unspoken thing that like her and I have had for years, where we like the stuff that happens on Mad Men. We're just like, oh Jesus, like mm-hmm. really, like wow. But it's funny because it seems so extreme to us that it like it doesn't feel realistic. Mm-hmm. But then you forget about that. That it's like. Yeah, when you're making a joke like this, there is a victim or there are been victims oh, yeah. and stuff like that. But it's this weird thing where you're just so far removed that it's just the idea of it is so funny to you. Because you're like, this is so – like, so the molestation thing is like, that made me laugh. But in reality, yeah, no, molesting people is terrible, especially molesting children. It's it's a mm-hmm. horrific thing. Yeah. It's not – that's not funny. But And finding be- it funny doesn't mean you support it. Yeah. Or that you don't sympathize with actual victims. I think it's, again, it's that it's shocking. Yeah. And and, and also humor can come out in so many different ways. So like, good example, John Wick 3 to me was almost a comedy. I was laughing my way through that movie because the violence is so extreme. Yeah, it's and, cartoonish. Yeah. And, like, and that's, I think, a big reason why we like Looney Tunes and stuff like that where you see two guys breaking windows and throwing knives at each other. It's funny. It, it's, it's so absurd that you laugh yeah. at it. But it's a different... 
it's it's I guess it's you know there's haha funny and a different kind of funny, but like I don't know there's other ways of laughing at things. So comedy r- depends on a lot of things, and it's influenced by a lot of things. But being able to flip expectations and then also being able to take two things that don't make sense together and don't belong and putting those things together, I think is vital to making really good comedy. Like mm-hmm. you need to lure your viewer or your listener into a false sense of security with where they think your joke is going and then do like a 180. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Dave Chappelle does that in this stand-up special. I think that's my biggest problem with it. I don't have an issue with, I mean, well, getting into the whole thing of like what is PC and what is not is a, is a big bag of worms. Oh, sure. I think that some of the jokes that he made in the special just aren't that funny. And there's stuff that he's made in other specials. The Bill Cosby, He Rapes and He Saves, mm. is super funny. Mm-hmm. It's wildly inappropriate, but it is very, very funny mm-hmm. because he he defies my expectation of where that bit is going, what that joke is going to do. Mm-hmm. Well, he also gets you to buy into a concept, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, but in that he tries to get you to buy into a concept that makes sense and then applies that concept to something you know that's bad, mm-hmm. but you've already agreed to it. So now you look mm. like the asshole, which is, I think, why that one pays off so well. Also, oh, yeah. by stringing it out over the course of really. Oh, yeah. The Michael he, Jackson he, bit it builds is and just it builds. a bit at the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah I think uh, this particular Chappelle special, he does punch down a lot. And I absolutely. think mm-hmm. like, that's not something that I've seen him do repeatedly before. And I think that like there, there's a tweet here saying it was grim, unfunny, and lazy. And it was like, I didn't think that it was that bad. It, <laughs> but I wasn't laughing as much as I have with his other specials because it is... I don't know. It, it it does feel a little bit different. I feel almost like he's um, he, he tells more stories or gives more of his opinion than he does focus on telling jokes, but that's just the way I read it. It's really hard to uh, kind of give a pass to a rich, rich comedian who's, you know, he's older. He's got so much success. He It's hard to, like you said, he's not, he's definitely punching down in it, and it doesn't feel like Dave Chappelle, I think he's one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like Dave Chappelle is hungry or has a fire under him anymore. He's not like some young, scrappy comedian that's trying to like really dig out this comedy, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, it, I, I don't know what you can do at that point when you're rich. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can't, you can't become the guy that's living in well, his apartment and he's hanging out with his buds on the weekend. I mean, do you think that he still wants to be making these specials, or is he doing it because Netflix is paying him millions of dollars? I think he quit for 10, I, 15 years. I, I, I can't imagine. I feel like it's a high, like getting up on that stage and him doing that. Yeah. It's like in his lifeblood now. I mean, Dave Chappelle is my favorite comedian of all time, and Killing Him Softly is my favorite stand-up comedy special of all time. Um, and I agree with Elise. I think this is probably his least funny mm. stand-up comedy special, even those other two Netflix ones that came out uh, last year or two years ago. Um, I, w- I would never say that he's only doing it because he got offered a lot of money. I think he loves to make people laugh. I think that's kind of at the heart of what a lot of, I know that's how I feel about it, and I know that's what a lot of comedians feel, is that they they like entertaining people. They like making people laugh, and they desperately want to do it. And sometimes you get yourself in trouble because you don't want to be the target of something. Patton Oswalt's done a really good job talking about it, where he he was a bully as a kid because he didn't want to be the chubby one who was getting picked on so he would use comedy to get the bullies on his side, but then that resulted in him picking on a bunch of people. So mm. he was basically punching down his entire youth to make yeah. sure that he was not the one who punched was down upon. punched yeah. down upon. I don't know that that's what Dave Chappelle is doing, but I think when you are one of the most successful stand-up comedians of all time and you 
were so successful that you're like, I'm just going to disappear for 10 years. And then when you come back, someone offers you massive amounts of money to continue doing it again. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what punching up is for someone like that. Like, it's good, just yeah. all it is is what? Trump jokes? Like, well, I, like and, you know, know. World leaders are the only people above. He left the Chappelle show because he felt like what he was putting out there into the universe wasn't valid and it, it was making bad statements about mm-hmm. race and mm-hmm. social relations and stuff. And Mel Brooks is really interesting to me because he's been pretty vocal recently about the direction of comedy, especially like in the Me Too era and the cancellation era and the piece in, you know, increasingly PC tides. Because, you know, he made Blazing Saddles mm-hmm. and it was pretty controversial. I think mm-hmm. you couldn't make that movie today. Yeah. But Mel Brooks, I think, is a little bit uh, dismayed by kind of how things are now. And I kind of agree with him where I'm like, you need to be able to let comedians take chances, take risks, cross the line, because that's that's what comedy is. It's kind of like mm-hmm. teetering on that line and knowing. But, I mean, you can cross it. That's for sure. Do you mean just ebbs and flows? It's just like, uh, this. I mean, we were talking before this podcast, we were talking about like how comedians used to get arrested and, you know, things were tough. Like, um, Yeah, and well, then, I will get into that. Yeah, yeah. But then like, then it gets to a point where, anything went like George Carlin yeah at that time where it's like oh my god any like you can yeah, just do there's been this like trajectory yeah. Yeah. Coming um, back and then it, then it comes back where we go, okay well maybe we tone it down so then maybe 10 years from now it's gonna go all right gloves off yeah. again yeah. and I, I, maybe that's just human I, culture I definitely think there's a, a rubber banding I think um stuff like social media like you reading that line mm-hmm. without any context is what most people see mm. and what most people get and what most people react to. Mm-hmm. I think more people have probably read that line than have seen the comedy special in its full context. And even that, I don't think there's a, I don't think it was that funny of a joke. Adam Carolla has a bit that he does where he's like, it shouldn't count as statutory rape if one of the people high fives afterwards. <laughs> you know, like, like Louis C.K. did it too. And I think like, like that's part of the. <laughs> criticism that's coming out about stand-up comedians right now is that they all seem to be going after the same shit. Like, when you read a lot of the high-profile stand-up, the description of their stand-up, it's going to be, goes after Me Too, mm-hmm. goes after social justice, goes after social media, and I yeah. think that they're getting shit, not because what they're doing is offensive, but because it feels like they're all talking about the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and we're like, talk about something else. Yeah, we, we went to a comedy club shortly after the Me Too stuff was happening, and there was a female comic who went up, I forget who it was, um, she did. It was like I think it was like her first time or whatever. Could you just call her a of comic course, Adam? you think that um, she's been doing it for well, fifteen. Years. Either way, the setup though was great because she said, "I'm really upset with this whole Me Too stuff because I've never been sexually assaulted, so I want to start a thing called Why Not Me Too." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like she's like, "Come on, boys, come get." It. I was like, "Okay, that that was a funny way of spinning it." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, like, I, it's I think you're right though. It's like there's only so much you can do with yeah. That. And and I mean, if you get up on stage and you're making fun of Harvey Weinstein, I think mm-hmm. that's one thing because you're punching up. Punching yeah. up at like this elitist shit. I think they're all doing back. the opposite. And like, I think yeah. one of Chappelle's bits, which I did find really funny, but it's still punching down, is uh, talking about how Louis C.K. was like masturbated to people on the phone. And he's like, you could just hang up the phone. And you're like, mm-hmm. he's absolutely right. That whole bit is basically just making fun of victims who are like, oh no, he masturbated. You can't leave the room. Yeah. Like, but yeah, but you're still he, punching down the whole time. Yeah. He, and there he, is like, it does seem, it may seem like on paper, it's like, it's just a dude jerking off. He's the sad one. But like, no, that dude's trying to like, a manipulative power dynamic yeah and i imagine chappelle knows that too i think he does yeah but it's like, he's funny just though making fun of it but like everyone else is like well yeah but he's wrong but still <laughs> not to speak for all stand-up comedy please all women go oh i was say all stand-up comedians <laughs> 
But I think a lot of the big ones who like the Bill Burrs, the Dave Chappelle's, Adam Carolla's, like like a lot of them have been making these jokes for a long time. And they've been kind of making a name for themselves by getting as close to the edge as possible and then kind of kind of coming back and revealing, mm-hmm. well, that's just things I say to get a rise out, they get a laugh out of everything. I don't actually feel that way. I don't actually think that way. The only problem is I think the climate has changed considerably yeah. because people are now influencers. I think there are also like things on Twitter where they say top five. So you could like whether you're not you're thinking about it, Dave Chappelle may not think to tell a story about this time when he was a kid in DC growing up when he opens up his computer and it talks about, you know, you know, uh, me too or whatever. Like it's just like what you're exposed to. Everyone's now all exposed to the same thing because mm. of aggregate news. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think stuff like uh, Louis C.K. fucked it because his whole thing was, hey, you know, I'm just a schlub. And I just make these, but I make these jokes and I'm actually the sad sack of shit, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but then when it turns out, well, in you being a sad sack of shit, you also created a power dynamic and hurt a lot of people along the way. I guess that means stand-up comedians aren't necessarily just people making jokes that can then have their own personal perspectives and not be a character. Like the Louis C.K. character doesn't mesh as well now with real him because real him seems like a dirtbag. Right. True. And once that starts happening, then it's like now it well, it's does Dave Chappelle actually feel that way? Like yeah. he, even if you notice in this in this special, he prefaces almost every new topic he goes into with like, well, I have an Asian wife and then does jokes. <laughs> or like like yeah. I actually have I I have amazing gay friends, like a ton of gay friends, and then goes into the joke. Like right. which are things you probably shouldn't have to feel like you need to do, but I mm-hmm. think because a lot of comedians feel like they're on the defensive are doing it. Well, it's also like, it's the I have a black friend defense, which yeah, never yeah. flies. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm not like, racist because... Yeah. Yeah, then you um, have a picture. Well, well I definitely feel like a lot of that comedy has changed. Like, I feel like Ricky Gervais, who I also love, has been doing this a lot, where some of them will start their stand-up by talking about how shitty the internet is, and I feel like they're probably taking it a little bit more personally than we would think. Like, mm-hmm. you're, a, a Twitter mob criticizes you, and I, I didn't see that much about Chappelle that seemed like cancel culture. It was mostly just people, like, there's a tweet that I wrote down here that said, I'm not offended, I'm not mad he's being politically, he's not being politically correct, I'm just disappointed that someone so intelligent and gifted insists on punching down, I don't get it. That's most of what I saw, was criticism that was like, I'm disappointed, and the way I read this stand-up is not that it's bad, it's just that Chappelle is so good that when you compare this to his other stuff, you're like, oh, it's Yeah, that's where I'm at, where I'm like, I I mean, I love, like, I obviously work for this channel, I I like edgy humor, uh, surrounded by edgelords all day. <laughs> um, but, you get cut if you get too close. But compared to something like the Cosby Rapes and Saves, I just didn't think it was, like, if, especially with stand-up, you know, you have all this time to plan out your set, plan out your material, and you're making a special. It better be, like, really, really good because I think about us, and we talk about this a lot, where, like, we pump out just hours and hours of content every single day. And there's stuff that I've said that crosses a line that I definitely regret saying. There's stuff that I've said that crosses a line that I'm like, that crossed the line, but I think I executed it in, a, in an artful way mm-hmm. <laughs> to give myself too much credit. Right. But at, at the end of the day, we're trying to just pump out so much material that we're, we're grasping for anything, and we can't do it in the most eloquent way mm-hmm. of planning and pre-planning. Mm-hmm. So stuff's going to slip out like... For me, something that we do is like, I think we always use sex and sex humor as like a fallback. 
But to me, I never find that. Sometimes it's like it's it's clever, but I never find it to be like the humor that I'm most proud of, mm-hmm. because I think that like making jokes about fuzzy taints is it's it kind of that one Harry Potter video easy. where you guys were just oh just, was it names <laughs> just names oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and that, <laughs> that I kind of I thought that straddles straddles the line for me like Harry straddles fantastic breast <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but um oh, yeah so for me it's like this weird thing where I'm I'm sometimes more proud of of other stuff because it feels like it's harder it's harder yeah and I feel yeah. that way about the Chappelle thing a little bit like it's like what he was doing to a lot of people, seemed like it was easy. Um, but uh, again, I was going to say, a lot of the reviews mentioned him punching down or using shock value for attention. People don't seem outright offended, but obviously he's still seeing a lot of people talk about it in a negative way that he's probably not used to because when he started doing yeah. stand-up, social media didn't exist. He didn't have all these random critics who are like, you've never done stand-up. What do you yeah. fucking know? Like, how? Mm-hmm. who do you tell me? And I feel like seeing some of these comedians take it to heart and take a step back like Ricky Gervais did a special where he literally reads tweets and then responds to them and it's like mm-hmm. that can still be really funny but I feel mm-hmm. like it is sort of an era where they're getting agitated with what people are saying to them and then oh, are yeah. being defensive from the get go and that's yeah. changing how stand up is, it's is a, being performed it's, right now. It's a thing that I've seen I think it's a reason why it makes YouTube look kind of samey when you see people doing thumbnails with giant circles and then like people like you know what up guys it's because everyone's copying each What's other. What's up everyone? Yeah it's always that because you're getting feedback immediately, mm-hmm. whereas the way it was 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't so much like that. You'd work on something, you put it out, and then you sort of, I guess the sales would dictate whether it did well or not, or you'd get a critical review, and so you would only look at, you know, essentially 10 tweets as opposed to hundreds of thousands or mm-hmm. even thousands. So it's like just a couple hundred is enough to make someone go insane. Yeah. Um, to some, you know, it's what, nine positives to undo one negative or something like that? that. Right. And even that, it's like, I think it just, it does something to the human psyche. Oh, yeah. None so. of our brains are built to get that level of feedback, mm-hmm. I think. And it's so new. Well, also, I mean, there's a whole reward structure to it, too. I and mean, Dave Chappelle is probably, he probably feels he's making the same jokes that he made that got him super rich and mm-hmm. super successful and considered one of the greatest, mm-hmm. right? One of the legends. But the the rug moves beneath you. That's something I've realized, too. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like when we started, like, it was a different climate then. And I, I hate to bring politics into it, but like it was a pre-Trump. It mm. seemed like things were going in a different direction and now maybe things are a little bit more divided and so you're more likely to land in a category that you don't necessarily want to be in or that people's perspectives are more sensitive. I think justifiably just because that's how divisiveness can be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a good example for me is like the Asian accent that I do when we started doing it, mm-hmm. I was trying to do a Ken. I've, I found out, like in high school, after watching Last Samurai, I could do a pretty good Ken Watanabe, right? Yeah. Well, that's not Ken Watanabe. <laughs> well, and, and it also morphs into <laughs> a Hattori Hanzo. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, thinking it was Hattori Hanzo. Which, in and of itself, is not a Japanese accent. It's a theatrical, mm-hmm. over the top. Like it's even played that way in the in the Kill Bill movie and and in all the stuff. But so like it's like oh I can do a pretty good one that's good, but more recently it's been referred to people have enjoyed it that's fine, mm-hmm. but it's been referred to as James's offensive Asian accent. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. And so I can either keep doing it or I can find something else. And the, that's just an example of the rug having moved out from under me. Mm-hmm. And when I set out to do it, I wasn't trying to mock anyone. I I did a good impression. Of, yeah. of a character 
and now it's not that, and it's not being, even if people enjoy it and don't necessarily find it offensive, I don't like that idea of things, mm -hmm. and the, the climate changed, and so I will try and find some other thing some that other is, too some other race to offend. Some other, I do a really good with, uh, mean with, with most things in life, it's sort of crazy. The Simpsons has an episode about this, mm -hmm. where Krusty finds himself no longer relevant in the world of 90 stand-up comics, and he gets not offended, but he's shocked when mm -hmm. Janine Garofalo goes, so today I got my period, and he spits yeah. his drink out like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. But then he goes up, and he he's just failing miserably. He goes, well, time to bring out the A material, and he puts in buck teeth, oh. and does oh the me so yeah. sorry. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh my God. Like, yeah, yeah. Which, it was sort of a weird, like, that's way more <laughs> offensive. Yeah. Well, yeah. For, for me, my barometer was Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's, a yeah. beloved classic Hollywood film starring Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. I was like, well, as long as you don't go there. It is funny when you see like, you know, 21-year-old girls with Audrey Hepburn posters back in activities in their yeah, apartment, yeah. but then it's like, but then you think of the other side of that movie. 21-year-old <laughs> me with a Mickey Rooney yeah. poster. Yeah. God. Hey, uh, but I don't know, it's just things yeah. change. That it's we are on an we are on a people mover. Mm -hmm. We spent some time at amusement parks. <laughs> I, so I always, we will relate everything you know, to theme parks. It's it's for sure part of a comedian's job to stay funny with the times as they change, I think and I don't know if it's just my perspective, but whenever I see people say, oh, people these days are too sensitive, I'm always just like, they're sensitive in different ways, but remember, they wanted to cancel books, mm -hmm. and they wanted to get rid of heavy metal music and video games. Like, people have always been sensitive about different shit, and mm -hmm. we will get into the stand-up comedian who was literally put in jail for saying offensive things forever ago. Uh, it's always been a thing. I think it's just we see more of it now because everyone's opinion has more weight because of social media. So you're just exposed to a lot more of it. It's not that people weren't sensitive 50 years ago. Does, yeah. does it mean your opinion has more weight if there's more of it? Or is it it's just... Some more people more... can see it, thus it has yeah. more value, yeah. I think. Does it have value, though, if, if everyone's got one? I'm just trying well, to, I'm thinking of the, the rules of economics. Basically just more people can see it than they could before. So Yeah, I mean, have... there's, there's more visibility, but... I don't know why my opinion would be worth more than James's or anything because, you know, there's a verification check mark next to it. Or I don't mean based on how many so followers we have. <laughs> I just mean that the average human who would never yeah. have been seen, who even has two followers, can still use a hashtag and go mm -hmm. viral. Sure. Which just means everyone has more weight than they used to. I feel like it, it swings both ways, though, because when everyone's got an opinion, you end up, I think you just, either you're one way or the other. Either you, you get sensitive to everyone's wants and needs or you just start to ignore everybody because it's just noise. Yeah, I guess it's a little ephemeral. It's, it's like both because like someone will tweet something and then it's, it explodes, then it's forgotten the next day. Mm. Whereas, you know, Winston Churchill would, would say something and it would get quoted in every newspaper. Well, and... take to the streets <laughs> on the seas. Oh, is that um, <laughs> Well, Churchill. Not, I watched a whole video about how uh, Gary Oldman nailed that accent because the way he talks. Oh, yeah. yeah. We get the same recommended video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 something, it would get published in like every everything and mm -hmm. then it would just be never forgotten. But now things like, yeah, a billion people see it, but then it's kind of like. Everyone's sort of true. just looking for the next controversy. Or it's, I think everyone wants a. You want a quick headline, you want a quick story, you want to move on to the next one. Whether you know that or not, I but think you're just... I think just... that applies to the comedians, too. Like, I feel like yeah. they're going after these controversial topics because they want it to spread. Netflix didn't stop advertising Sticks and Stones. Still made a ton of money and got a lot of views. Oh, sure. I mean, so just... it's not like any of the controversy mattered. It actually yeah. worked in their favor. I mean, look, all the cancellations from Netflix are going to be happening in November anyway. So yeah. they got time. They need reasons. But uh, I don't know. I mean, like, honestly, for me, when I saw you sent the doc and you're like, hey, this is what we're talking about today, even my brain instinctively went, Really? We're talking about this? And that happened like three weeks ago? But it's it's just a lot right now. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying it's it's crazy how my own oh, brain's it moves working. That quickly. Yeah, where I'm already, I'm already like, 
aren't we on something new today? Didn't something happen? I don't know, but it's George Lucas is pissed about Star Wars. Is he pissed? Oh no, George, he's so really? I, I need to do an ad read. Okay, go for it. Pims uh, is a wellness brand offering solutions to some of the things that might have men feeling insecure. Funhouse's own Lawrence Sontag used Hims when he noticed his hairline creeping back a little and says he found great results with a damn good head of hair to prove it. And hey, summertime is going away, so you won't be able to break out that baseball cap to hide your thinning hair much longer. But actually, with the way some of Hims' products work, you might be able to prevent your hair from thinning entirely if you'd like to. Don't sweat the hair loss. Do something now while you still can. 66% of men lose their hair by the age 35, so why do nothing when you can turn to science? Ballhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you to real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and help you keep your hair with no snake oil or pills or silly tricks, only prescription solutions backed by science. So, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. See the website for full details and safety information. And remember, this would cost you hundreds if you went to a pharmacy. So instead, go to forhims.com slash dude. That's forhims.com slash dude. Thank you to Hims for sponsoring this episode. Uh, to get back to the conversation, um, so another facet of this was uh, the Shane Gillis thing that happened, I think, last week. Uh, basically, yeah. Shane Gillis. That's guy. Yeah, kind yeah. of unfolded over the course yeah. of last week. Um, This is via NPR. Shane Gillis, a comedian who has been under fire over the past few days for using racist and homophobic slurs on his podcast, has been fired from Saturday Night Live. Uh, The video that got him into hot water was an excerpt from Matt and Shane's secret podcast. Not so secret. Apparently. Uh, Can you fired from SNL? Secrets out. He used a racial (laughs) slur and made fun of Chinese accents during a discussion about Chinatown. In another episode, he uses gay slurs to describe comedians he doesn't think are funny. Um, An SNL spokesperson said, We want SNL to have a variety of voices and points of view within the show. The language he used is offensive, hurtful, and unacceptable. We are sorry that we did not see the clips earlier and that our vetting process was not up to our standard. Um, Gillis's response was, It feels ridiculous for comedians to be making serious public statements, but here we are. Which is a dumb sentence, but... Uh, He goes on to say, I'm a comedian who is funny enough to get on SNL. That can't be taken away, of course. I wanted an opportunity to prove myself at SNL, but it would be too much of a distraction. I respect the decision they made. I'm honestly grateful for the opportunity. And his cancellation, I believe, was announced the same day that SNL hired its first ever full-time cast member of East Asian descent. Yeah. Which I feel is an important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they were all, there was like three people that were hired. And it was one was like, hey, here's a great headline. We're actually hiring an Asian cast member. Mm-hmm. Oh, this other one said some really terrible Who things. thinks he's also an Asian cast member. <laughs> Who said some really terrible things about Asians, uh, you know. So that's, I think, uh, also what helped him. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, wonder, I wonder if maybe they hadn't been hiring an Asian cast member. If maybe it would have been controversial and he would have apologized, but he wouldn't have lost his spot on the show. I don't know. Possibly. That's Especially because it. SNL is historically very white. Oh. Like for them to do that... Name then, 360 people <laughs> who have been on the show who is white. SNL is very... Jim Belushi. It's very yeah, interesting in Jim, what SNL chooses to be upset about. Like the whole Jenny Slate thing when she got blackballed because she said fuck on live air by accident. Oh. Jenny Slate seems like the nicest, sweetest person. She's super funny. and Wait, so she cursed on a show that airs at 11 1 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she said... If yeah. it slipped out, she said fuck. She basically got right. like blacklisted in the rest of the season and then, you know, she was removed. Dated Captain America after, say, it worked so things out. worked okay for... It worked out for Jenny Slate. Right. She's but, in Zootopia. But if you, told, if you told me today, like, I mean, that just seems ridiculous. It seemed ridiculous yeah. to me. It yeah. seemed like, it, you know... It, I guess that brings up the bigger, the, the 
What's his name? Shane Gillis? Yeah. Yeah. That thing of like, they're, it, it's sort of like start scrubbing your past now if you ever plan to it's do terrifying. any. If you ever plan to do anything with your life. I don't. I don't. I. <laughs> I'm good. I think I'm, but I'm, so our situation, we're, we're now owned by AT&T and Warner Brothers and this big company. And we're hoping like, oh, it'd be cool to do bigger projects and stuff with it inside of this big company. What if they see James's offensive Ken Watanabe accent that everyone's offended by still to this day? And they go, you're hired. Well, there's, I mean, there is something about the fact of like what we do. And again, this guy's podcast where it, it exists forever. It is now forever. Yeah. Um, just because. Social media has removed the context of time. Yeah. Just, just because you made it four years ago doesn't mean that it isn't now for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I like to hope that it's. Context. I know context doesn't really matter, but I like to think that context comes into play in those types of things. Mm-hmm. I, I I never listened. I read the transcript, yeah. like we talked about, is not the best way to do it um, for the Shane Gillis podcast, and because there were a couple incidents, um, and it it felt more ranty than it did feel like a bit necessarily. Right. right. That's the vibe I get from that too. Is it um, didn't feel like he was joking. He was being offensive in a rant intentionally to make it funny, but yeah. it didn't feel like a bit. Um which is, you know, that that happens. Sometimes you just you swing, you swing for a home run. And, Kramer is a good example of that. Oh yeah, you, Michael Richards, you mean? Yeah, so yeah, I only know him as Kramer. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Michael Richards stand up blowout. which is like he just I don't know if you know, but he like he went up and did it. He wasn't he was he was doing stand up. He didn't know he was being recorded yeah. and he 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 did something sounds similar similar where he went on like this rant. Well, there were he- there were two hecklers. He was being heckled, yeah. Uh, okay. um, but then he got very upset with the hecklers who happened to be African American and then started using slurs really bad. Thanks. But it was like, well, one he seemed re- genuinely pissed off that his stand up set was being heckled, which is pretty unprofessional. But then two, it seemed like he tried to recover it by like, how wild can I get? But he didn't. It wasn't funny, mm-hmm. and it wasn't wild enough to be considered funny. And it just sounded like an angry man yeah. using yeah. slurs. That's not great. Um, There's so. a weird fight or flight thing. You see it a lot of times, like cringe videos or whatever. Like uh, the only one I can think of is the Rooster Teeth kid who like deep throated a mic one time, where it's like all eyes are on you. You're like, better do something cool. <laughs> like, uh. Uh, and you, I don't know. People do dumb things all the time. Like it's hard to stay cool under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, not not to excuse that sort of behavior, but I think that's the sort of thing that does happen. Mm-hmm. I think they're still right. trying to be funny. Uh, yeah. But they're doing a very bad job but of it. it. It's tough when you miss the mark so hard and then you're just doubling down because you're like, I need to recover somehow. But sometimes yeah, you, you, I mean, can't, I, you can't recover from that. It's just sometimes you go, well, we, like I think Conan, Conan O'Brien's, a, he does it the best. Oh. Because is his open, if you ever watch his monologue, he'll do jokes that just bomb completely. And he builds off of it, and he always recovers. But Conan also has exquisitely self-deprecating humor. Yeah. Because Conan, he punches down all the time. Mm -hmm. His staff members, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's constantly belittling, and like, you know, all his um, what are they called? Uh, Like his offsite bits and stuff he does, Mm -hmm. or his uh, I forget what they call them. They have a specific name, but like everything he does, where he's going around his office, he's constantly saying stuff to his staff members, but they all laugh. Because mm-hmm. then he turns around and he points the finger back at himself and he goes, "Well, who am I? You know, I'm just your withered old lonely boss." Like, yeah. and uh, he's he's one of my favorite comedians yeah. of all time. I think you can get away with punching down if you punch down on yourself a lot too. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, the Shane Gillis stuff. It did seem to me like he was angry, but I also pretty strongly feel like companies shouldn't listen to 
social media outrage when making hiring decisions? Like, if I'm not going to support it with the James Gunn incident, I feel like I shouldn't support it with Shane Gillis incident, but I'm not confident in saying that because I didn't listen to it. There's, there's, yeah, I, there's weird stuff where a lot, I saw other people making points where they said by firing him, now, not necessarily even he, not that he wants the platform for it, though it has already raised his profile infinitely more than if he was just a new cast member. I don't know the other two's names. I think Bowen is one of them. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, and Claire, maybe, only because she gets does good impressions. Um, Careful, those. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but it's racist profile, but other people have said, well, by doing this, you've given a platform to those people that feel like they can't say, like that genuinely want to say offensive things and mm-hmm. be offensive and then and then coax it, like cover it later by saying it's comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he had just been brought on and then been any other first-year cast member that basically gets zero play and so much of that, world is how you can ingratiate yourself with the writing staff and the other cast Mm -hmm. members and then appear on camera and really show up and stuff and like make a name for yourself it's basically like freshman year college Mm -hmm. um but no one will want to touch that and then he would just fade into obscurity Mm -hmm. yeah then it just disappears but because social media pressure seems so vast and seems so large you have to react to it immediately Mm -hmm. whereas the honest the probably the better solution would be to just let it unfold and then let it disappear. Yeah. But then who knows? Something maybe something else would have happened. I'd, you know. Shane, if you're gonna be offensive, it better be funny. It better be really, really good yeah. jokes. Yeah. We just we recorded that Pirates gameplay that's coming out in a couple of weeks, and uh, we, we, do this time? we made a lot of Amber Heard cell phone jokes when we recorded it. Mm-hmm. We did. None of those are in the edit because they were offensive jokes, but they weren't funny enough to make were... the edit. I mean, yeah, I thought yeah. they were funny too. Okay. We <laughs> realized that our standard is way lower than <laughs> what the standard should be. But you know be. what? Yeah. They should have been better jokes. I, I know. And so I guess it's weird because when you talk about that joke, my mind doesn't go, oh my God, that poor woman got a phone thrown at her. I think of two rich people throwing oh, expensive sure. yeah. bedazzled iPhones. And that to me is funny because I'm like, that's punching up where I'm like, Oh, that's that's funny. It, it's rich people being crazy and rich. Like it, it's that's hilarious to me. But then when people go, well, hold on, you didn't think about the battered wife thing. I'm like, no, I didn't. And I'm, I guess, that's just not how my brain's working. So yeah, I don't know. My sense of humor's on, I guess, a, a lower level, like you said. I, I mean, <laughs> monkey. I brain. hope people understand that in this office we're relatively progressive. And we want everyone to feel like they can be included and in on the joke. And no one is excluded from any content that we ever make. Mm. Um, but I I think a big part of it is no matter what you do, if you're going to be defensive, you probably won't get anywhere. Like the person you are today or were four years ago doesn't have to be the person you're going to be tomorrow. Mm. And part of that is learning and hearing what. It, so if you say something, you're like, that was fucking funny. That was so funny. And then someone sends you a message and goes, this is why this wasn't funny to me. You should listen. Like mm. you should genuinely listen because I think that will make you a better comedian. Not necessarily that you're going to avoid that next time, but you can at least understand a personal perspective on what that means to someone. And the more you know about what certain things mean to people, the more you can tap into, well, what would have made that funny? 
Mm -hmm. And then now it's funnier to more people. It's also and just it's harder. Like, Being inclusive and funny is oh, yeah. more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I respect it more because it's harder. You're like Piccolo wearing weighted clothing. Exactly. Right. Just like Piccolo wearing so, weighted clothing. So you're saying we so shouldn't. So that's why I would rather be Piccolo is what I'm saying. We shouldn't judge people based on their worst decisions. Is well, what you're saying. unless their worst decision was today. I just wanted to And quote. then they're, they're shouting at you and saying you're, it's your fault. And or being it was like Stalin levels of bad. I, I was like, I just wanted to quote Black Widow from, uh, was it Infinity War? <laughs> End oh, game. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice current reference for us. Thanks. Adam. It was on the plane on the ride home. Somewhere out there is a pillow that is stitched with a quote of mine that said, what Hitler did wasn't funny because his timing was off. <laughs> so um, I don't know who that makes look worse, yeah. me or Hitler. Yeah. But someone came to me and they said, this is why I didn't think that was funny. I, I would listen. Mm -hmm. I would want to have a conversation about that. I think also, That's I mean, on the better. on the topic of Hitler, the Jojo Rabbit trailer, mm -hmm. where oh, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. it, you should always make fun of Hitler. Mel Brooks said himself, you should always make fun of Hitler. Yeah, it kind of takes the power away from, I guess, I don't know, but I think even some people are like, not cool, dude, making yeah. fun of Hitler, not cool. It's like, what? Well, but there, I don't, I think it's like, is it because you're laughing about yeah, the Holocaust? I, I don't think it's making fun of Hitler as much as it's mocking a historical event yeah. which impacted. There's millions a, of lives. There's a documentary we watched about like humor in the Holocaust. And maybe, maybe I just watched it, but like, because a lot of like Jewish comedians, like they, you know, have for the last 50 years made a lot of like Holocaust jokes, humor. And there are, you know, people that survived the Holocaust that do not, do not like those jokes. And uh, it's your own way of like, for, but for a lot of the people that lived in concentration camps, that was their way of dealing with it, right? Mm -hmm. It was making jokes and, that's how they they survived. So it's like it's all personal perspective and having empathy and um, being able to say like, well, maybe that's not funny to me, but I I don't think that you mean it in a harmful way. Like I don't think Mel Brooks making jokes about Hitler he he means that in a harmful way to people that survived the Holocaust. I think he has like the the utmost empathy uh, and sympathy for those people, but he is trying to punch up or he was trying to punch up, mm. you know. Also, there's a world where things can be funny to you that you don't have to assume is going to be funny to everyone, and the people that don't find it funny just are wrong about that. Like, you know, there's stuff there's stuff we've thought is funny, and we're like, like you said, we think that's it could be funny, but that doesn't mean we want to assume everyone else's barometer for comedy is the same way. So yeah, yeah it's why a lot of awareness. That's it, also part of the job. Yeah. Um, I need to do another ad read. Yep. Nine times out of ten, shopping online beats going to the store. It's easy to find everything you want, you don't have to wait in any lines, and it saves time for you to do some other stuff you really want to during your day. But nine times out of ten, you're overpaying when you shop online, unless you use Honey. For those of you who don't know, Honey is a free browser extension that saves you money everywhere you shop online. It finds coupon codes and other discounts across the web and applies them for you automatically, meaning you're not overpaying anymore. I'll be honest, I don't know exactly how it works. I just know it saves me money everywhere I shop, so it might actually be magic. And the average Honey user saves about $126 per year. That's several weeks worth of groceries or a nice new dress or some new shoes or some AirPods, all thanks to Honey's savings. Over 100 million people are already saving with Honey, and the company has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. Time Magazine calls Honey basically free money, which is all I've ever really wanted. So there's really no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use, installs on your computer in just two clicks, and it'll save you money so you can treat yourself to something nice. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com dude. That's joinhoney.com dude. Thank you to Honey for sponsoring this week's episode of Dude Soup. 
Um, so there's another thing that I wanted to talk about, you know, in this whole thing where I feel like we've established that <laughs> comedy is subjective and it, it's smarter if you don't punch down or whatever, but I don't feel like the cancel culture thing is as prevalent as people are suggesting. Like, I feel like there are suggestions that people are trying to cancel Dave Chappelle, whereas the perspective I get, and I could be getting the wrong read, was more that people were just criticizing him for not being as funny as normal mm. or whatever. Yeah, I didn't mm. think can, like cancel was the intent of that. No. He does preface, like I said about him prefacing everything, he opens that set by going like, he hates, he's like, I hate all of you because you're yeah. going to you're going to want to cancel culture. He like literally does Yeah, it was that like in 10 years you're going to yeah. Yeah, you're going to hate this or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um and even Louis CK, I mean, he technically got canceled but is still doing stand up. So I was going to say that it's like can you truly cancel something if there's an audience for it cuz yeah, you could yeah, he lost a show and mm-hmm. he lost a bunch of these perks, I guess, or these big things, but if the guy on a bare bones level wants to start a YouTube channel or go do uh, stand up somewhere else? Like he could probably still survive. So you can't really. Yeah, it'd be fine. You can't can't. I don't think you can truly cancel people. No, and it again know. doesn't seem like people are necessarily trying to when they criticize comedy all of the time. I'm sure there are some people who are, but that's that's not the read that I get. I just feel like we're all kind of reacting a little bit, especially uh, when compared to what happened to stand up comedian Lenny Bruce. Uh, I only found out about this super recently after looking into a bunch of these controversies because I was really curious about all of it. So basically, for anyone who doesn't know, because I had no idea, in 1964, stand-up comedian Lenny Bruce was indicted on violations of obscenity law, New York Penal Code 1140A, uh, which prohibited obscene, indecent, immoral, and impure drama, play, exhibition, and entertainment, which would tend to the corruption of morals of youth and others. Uh, There were jokes that literally threatened to land him in prison which included a line about Jackie Kennedy trying to escape JFK's convertible after his assassination. <laughs> the exact quote is, she hauled ass to save her ass. <laughs> Apparently hyper-offensive at the time. Uh, yeah. He'd said, uh, and it was also a bit that was also considered really offensive that mentioned men having sex with chickens. People were very upset about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> so he'd already been arrested multiple times on charges and barred from entering the UK. He literally got banned from countries. After an arrest in 1961, which is prompted in part by his use of the word cocksucker during a San Francisco performance, he was represented by a First Amendment lawyer whose partner refused to take the case. He said, you can't win a case based on cocksucker. So they wouldn't take his case because he had used that phrase, which apparently, 1960, super Mm -hmm. offensive. Yeah. Uh, James, it sounds like you know a lot more about what happened with Lenny Bruce, but basically the understanding I get is that it's someone who was like very early on in stand-up comedy who he's like the godfather of yeah of modern shock comedy well because like even before him like it was kind of post vaudeville like it was more about performance and who's it was very first? very soft yeah it was more mm-hmm. like bits and stuff you and know comedy duos and stuff yeah yeah like or it. like the early Dean Martin things very very fun comedy mm-hmm. and he yeah. was like no, no, I'm going to use comedy to pull back the curtain and talk about how human beings really are no. and say the things that we are all secretly laughing at in like in our private homes and stuff. Mm. But he he basically did it underground, but that underground he had tapped into something so much that like it grew, but it got attention and yeah. then that attention meant that 
these society was like, no, we're not like that, except they actually I were. I think I could be wrong on this one. I think that like energized comedians like Richard Pryor and other ones, oh, and, like, yeah. George Carlin and so forth. Like if you look at their early stuff, like Richard Pryor's like very clean cut, very yep. nice. And then you see the flip, and then when it's like, oh my god, he got yeah, he got oh, really yeah. funny yeah. when he got real blue and real crass. Like well, it was basic. Yeah. So it's basically like a bunch of comedians that would go up there in a suit and tie, mm-hmm. and then say some funny gaffes about their old lady or whatever, you know? <laughs> and then there was Lenny Bruce. He yeah. showed up and then he was like, fuck the Kennedys. You know, like basically and like, fuck, oh, I think fuck the Catholic Church. Oh yeah, he did in. a lot he, of stuff about the Catholic Church. He, he and shit on I think the church. Pedophilia and, too. Yeah, and like yeah. called out church for its horrendous behaviors and stuff like that. It's in like Boston, which is very Catholic mm-hmm. uh, city and got in a lot of trouble for that. But because he did that, then the George Carlins and the Richard Pryors and the uh, Red Skeltons and uh, Red Fox. Well, there's Red Skelton was another one, but oh, there's uh, there's two Reds. Red Skelton that was clean comedy, I think. Yeah, or he had the Red Skelton show. Okay. Yeah, you mm. may be thinking of he Red more, Fox. He was more of like a vaudevillian yeah. type, like a variety mm-hmm. show. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> but he, he, like there's, you think like Smucker Brothers. He, you know, oh yeah. Like well, a, even Smucker Brothers got blacklisted for a while because they started. Doing anti-war jokes. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Steve Martin wrote for the Smucker Brothers. Yeah. yeah, and they're like they're and they're very like clean cut, very like Mormon looking guys, and yeah, they're yeah. playing their guitar, and then they're like, "Hey, we did some funny anti-war stuff." And they're like, "You're blacklisted from yeah. TV for being anti-government." And they're like, "What?" But Lenny Bruce basically yeah. went to jail, f- like lost all everything he yeah. ever earned, all the money he ever earned, and died young and alone. Mm-hmm. So that way, George Carlin and Richard Pryor could go on and turn what that was into a mainstream phenomenon mm. where it was like, no, yeah, you should be wanting to hear these types of voices and mm-hmm. comedy. And mm-hmm. like, the problem I think is when people presume that just because they say something edgy or offensive, they are like Lenny Bruce, which they are not. He tapped into something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think he either like, he either set the stage for these other comedians or he was 10 years too early. Because oh, yeah. if he had been doing comedy like post-Vietnam War, when like it was like anti-establishment, we're not just kowtowing to the government line. I think mm-hmm. probably what happened to him wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But if he didn't exist, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Mm. You know. I don't know. I, yeah, it's 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 important too. I guess it's like I think a lot of people will find using crass humor or like you know edge just edgy sort of thing as like a crutch where you're like. Yeah. You just F this, F that. And it's like, well, there's no joke there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes so, if you're making jokes all the time. And you get really bored. And you're like, I make jokes to my friends all the time. Or in this case, like, or coworkers. Like, I am going to try to shock you guys. I'm all that, you know, stuff I don't yeah, say yeah. on camera. But I am going to try to, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. push mm-hmm. the edge. Yeah. I just, I know we've been criticized. We've been criticized in every way, shape, and yeah, form. Yeah, mostly I've, you. Mostly me. But I, I, <laughs> I've seen this with people who first discover our stuff. And they go... Oh, a little too edgy, like little try-hard guys. Mm-hmm. Just by, and it's like I don't think we ever use cussing. Just I, I never want to use it as a crutch. People mm-hmm. tell me that I swear too much to be funny, and I'm like, I'm just Australian. It's oh, just yeah. a part of how I speak. I don't try I, to do it. I, I think honestly, I wish I didn't curse as much as I do. I can't but I, help it. I think when you work in an office environment where everyone's cursing all the time, like I, I didn't realize how much I did that until I went back home. Uh, I went to like a family event, and every other thing was f this shit, that blah blah, and. My mom was like, "Cut it, cut it down a little bit." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was doing it. I'm yeah. really sorry." Yeah, you can tell uh, if someone forces it, I think. Yeah. But so I think there is a way of doing crass humor without leaning into, you know, edge lordness or, uh, you know, cursing uh, semantics or anything like that. But I don't know. So I I feel bad for anyone who tries to watch yourself because I I would always hope our humor is it's not 
it's like, oh, those guys are funny because they cuss a lot. And it's like, no, like, I, I hope there's, you notice the setup and the punchline instead of just, I've seen a lot of humor stuff where it's just punchlines or I'm just going to quote funny things that I've seen. I'm going to say my wife and I go, <laughs> See, <laughs> easy, easy. It's, it's funny because it's beyond the point of being yes. funny. It's it, it's, it was a story, uh, I was like Ricky and Elliot. Some of my favorite bits, though. Like, I love the Chappelle pussy juice joke. Oh, yeah. Because he just, you can tell it's just for him. Mm-hmm. And he's just building this thing up for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not that funny. No. Yeah. I, was, I was just saying, uh, Ricky and Elliot were telling the story where they went to a Kingsman thing in London. And there was a guy who kept doing a... Austin Powers impersonation the whole time. Yeah, baby. And, yeah. and like, so part of me is like, that. I'm like, it's so bad. That's it's wonderful. good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then I saw the footage and went, oh no, oh, it's, it's not, it's just bad. Yeah. But there's an awareness. Yeah. Yes. The guy who goes, my wife, as the actual punchline to his joke is not funny. Yeah. Even if you find it funny. But <laughs> you using it as an example of the worst thing you could possibly say as a punchline for a joke mm-hmm. is funny because you know it's not funny. My yes. brain is very warped at this point. And we did that Smosh laugh challenge video. And I was very, very surprised because the response was that our humor was very edgy and risque. And I was like, I we held back didn't a think bit. that at all. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's, but I, think it probably is. It's, I guess it's your own personal scale. Goal, goal yeah. post. It's yeah. a sliding yeah. scale, you know. Maybe. I don't yeah. think we wanted to go out there and be like, I'm going to do the worm wearing a chicken hat. <laughs> yeah. And then that's going to be my version of a joke. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my worm my wife. wife. My worm <laughs> wife. Uh, not to discount you, Adam, but I know the two of you watch a lot of stand-up. Uh, one thing that I'm yeah. curious about is... Yeah. Adam, could you leave the room, please? Uh, is Leave it to the stand-up. I know that... <laughs> I was raised on stand-up. Black go comedians on. got really, really big, and there was a period of time that seems like it was ages ago where they were just blatantly making fun of white people. Mm-hmm. Was that... As they should. Was that like a huge controversy while that was happening 20 no. years ago? No, no, because again, it taps into a, it taps into a vein of society, which is the oppression of minorities in this yeah, country. And so like, you know, one of my favorite Dave Chappelle bits is when he does his white guy voice. Mm-hmm. So He's like, he was like, oh, I, you know, I was out with my friend. And he goes, okay. Sir. Now Dave. Sir. Dave. <laughs> My favorite I think is Kevin Hart has a good white guy voice too. Let's race them. <laughs> <laughs> They're both high. <laughs> and his car, he pulls up next to a police officer. Like, let's race them, Dave. <laughs> was the one we did the uh, on Chappelle show and did the wife swap thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm I'm just gonna stick it through the hole now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't some think some of the most popular comedians in the world are black, and I'm surprised that there wasn't at some point in time. Some white anger about being like, how dare you make fun of me? If there, if there was, exist, yeah. but I, they should sit down. Be like, well, Louis, back in the Kings of Comedy. Type Louis C.K. called right. it out a long time ago, where he was like, he was like, we've had it too good for too long, and our day is coming. But for now, we uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like, but it's that self awareness of like, uh, yeah, they're like, I think you're sort of, I don't know. Well, white it, people are ridiculous. A, like, come yeah. on, we deserve. To be mocked. I, I think, yeah. I always find it funny, but yeah. I just feel oh, like there has to have been an era where it was a problem. Um, yeah. yeah, like you were saying about like a, a group that was being marginalized for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It does feel like it is punching up. Yeah. You yeah. know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Though it, it shouldn't be. Like, I mean, I don't know. I I hope that uh, there's humor that can also be done in good jest, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Like what? I don't, like, I don't think, you know, if a black comedian is making jokes about white people. Like, whatever. 
Oh, it's good yeah. fun. Well, I, I mean, there, if you're gonna get def- again, if you get defensive, nothing's ever gonna be funny. I say there, there's a difference between a, a stand-up bit and a hate rally. <laughs> well, yeah. There's a big difference. Yes. I, I'm so example. I remember uh, I was a kid. We were at like Venice Beach, and there was a group of um, I forget what they were called, but it was it was predominantly it was, it was a black group of guys, and they were they were doing this speech of saying like they're like we got to do it for Jesus and God, and there's this really like white like Southern woman be like, yes, yes. And at one point he goes, we must kill the white man. And she went, oh. <laughs> I, remember, I remember laughing at that so much. <laughs> she, was, she was so into it. And then she's like, uh-oh, they want me dead. <laughs> she got got. Did you hear Dave shit on himself? <laughs> yeah, died I crying was... like a bitch. That's one of my favorite White people voices bits. are really good. Uh, yeah, uh, there's that one movie, what was it? Uh, Thank You for Waiting. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bit with that where I think it's like uh, David Cross is do- it's um Lakeith uh, like he's Sam- yeah it's him but he's doing his white person voice but mm-hmm. they just voice over it with David Cross oh, like, yeah yeah uh, hello sir I'm in Wonder Woman and it's like yeah they have to like uh, ADR it and it's <laughs> it's a little weird but mm-hmm. he like gets ahead in his life because he can perfect that voice yeah and he's selling better than anyone else yeah it's an interesting movie I mean yeah isn't that like half the crux of that movie. Wait till you get to the last third. I heard it gets real depressing. It gets weird. Oh. Because I have some, I don't know. We saw it, we saw an early screening. I remember being like, I don't know what to think about What's, this movie. I am blanking on the name of the Italian comedian who does the gestures. Sebastian Maniscalco. Sebastian Maniscalco. He's great. Yeah, I, 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 like, I saw him in your notes for it um, because he made that joke about the Teen Choice Awards or something. Yeah, so he Sorry. was... Uh, he did a joke the where MTV Video Music oh, okay. Awards were hosted by him at 46 years old and his opening monologue mocked millennials and teens he said if you feel triggered or you feel offended by anything I'm saying here or anything the musical artists are doing they're providing a safe space backstage while you get some stress balls and a blankie and also Lil Nas X brought his horse which will double as an emotional support animal <laughs> which <laughs> it's funny but I feel like I, I put that in there because I, I feel like it also proves the point that that kind of comedy right now is popular and that's yeah. why so many comedians are doing it is mm. because making fun of millennials seems to be working really well for them. Context is so important yeah. with him, too. He's he's fucking hilarious. Yeah. But, like, he does a whole bit about going over to a friend's house and they're like, oh, take off your shoes. He's like, why am I going to take off my shoes? I don't want to yeah. see your feet. Like, but it, it shows how absurd and overreacting he is to yeah. this sort of oh, thing. Yeah. Like, sometimes Third when you're, like, man. part of your comedy is how defensive you are about a non-issue yeah. or something. Like, I'm sure that's probably what he was going for yeah. in that. But when your whole audience is like, no, but that's, you're talking about us. Like, right. that's how we feel. And we feel very passionately about this. I, yeah. yeah, we saw him like three or four years ago do mm-hmm. stand up. And it was a mind blowing experience because we were right in the front row. And his whole routine is based around his body movements. Yeah. I love like, that stuff though. It's so funny because I was crying. I was laughing so hard because he's like, he'll tell a joke and then it looks like he's throwing a strike. Yeah. Well, he, he also <laughs> has like, what? 80 minute stand up special where he only speaks for about 40 minutes of it because the rest of it is him just going, what the, what the, what do you do? What the? You want me to take my shoes off in the house, walk in my socks like you, a child. You, you want me to put my shoes <laughs> over there? <laughs> I think Rick, that's why, by the way, I like Bill Burr a lot is because he gets angry about stuff that it's absolutely absurd oh, yeah. to get angry yeah, yeah. about. And it's just yeah. really But he knows he's an angry white guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it all comes from the perspective of being an angry white guy. Um, and he's like, well, And he says stuff that I go, I don't agree with it. But. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, I mean, 
He had a bit uh, that I was watching not too long ago that was about how white women complain about everything and complain about harassment and mistreatment. And I think it was tied into Me Too. And he was like, but you're still in the same fucking jacuzzi as the white guy. And it's like, effectively, that's making fun of me. But how angry he presents that particular thing mm-hmm. about white women still being top of the tent pole just below white men. But then there's still every person of oh, color yeah. below that. But he presents a very serious argument in a, such an aggressive way that it just becomes completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's just really well done. I, I think there's a, there is a certain runway that a lot of because the, these comedians are established legends of their field and they will have a certain runway. But I do think kind of like I was saying that the climate is ever changing and you you do have to, if you want to continue doing it and doing it at the top of your field you have mm-hmm. you do have to be willing to adapt and change and you like it would be stupid of us to just make me too jokes and expect those to be good yeah. just for now and forever like mm-hmm. like you should just constantly be changing and i think that's why always adjusting your barometer and not necessarily changing who you are or what you think is funny is mm-hmm. but understanding what makes things funny or not funny by communicating and having a conversation with people and not getting defensive about the jokes that are told about you mm-hmm. and the jokes that you tell yeah. mm-hmm. um, is the best well, way in that a being we- said i'm an unknown comedian no one cares about yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah i mean look our time is coming snl's never Which called sucks, me we're nothing <laughs> snl's uh, never fired me from anything yeah. so. um but like in a weird way, a lot of our humor, I don't think, I don't know if people know this, but like it kind of came from punching down, but in a weird sort of way, it's like we're in a weird microcosm basically where we play crappy games, but our favorite oh. ones were always people who, who, it's like the mystery science theater thing. They tried really hard. Mm-hmm. They made a game where like this character, he, he's a badass soldier you play. And we're just like, what a, lo-. like Chaser yeah, was yeah. the one where we're just like, but what a joke, what a joke of a character. And it's like, those to me are so funny, but then when someone makes a game and they're they're like, "We're being funny," you're like, "Well, this is no fun." Like, well, I, I would even say to those like to those types of videos, it's a lot like the Conan thing, though, because we are mocking the game relentlessly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This game that someone put their heart and time and hopefully yes. got paid to make, but probably not enough. Might not like, to, yeah. they put a lot of time and effort into it, and now we're going to just ripping it to shreds. Yeah. But I do think that we look for opportunities in those types of videos and basically all of our videos to mock ourselves within it. Like, well, why are we here playing this game? Oh, or like, something like, why say, are we doing? We're the I worst. I feel like that's what the Funhouse brand of humor yeah. Is. yeah. Say for example, like you go, like look at that, look at his that main character, look at his crotch. Like he clearly has a small penis, and then you know, you would turn to Bruce and go. What do you know? How do you know what a small penis looks like? And he'd yeah. go, Yeah, yeah. He just wrote a funhouse joke. I just wrote a funhouse joke. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently we script their jokes in order to yeah, some people. Yeah. I'm, I'm very confused. But it's, it's all improv. I think it's, it's like, you know, I, and it isn't an immunity thing. I'm not saying that we're, we should be immune from criticism because that's our goal. But I do oh, think sure. that's, that's the difference. When sometimes when you can point out your goal of it or your goal is obvious, then maybe it won't come off as. We also have the benefit of being edited. Like there's tons of shit that's probably oh, yeah. not funny that gets edited out of that oh, yeah, yeah, video. Yeah. Like they don't have that in the stand-ups for sure. I mean, technically, the stand-up special should be an edited down of all the stuff. So, like, when I was talking about the the comedy night I went to, Whitney Cummings was there, and she was in pajamas and a uh, clipboard. Mm -hmm. And she's like, let's try this one. Tried it. Didn't get much laugh. Okay, that one's not very Mm -hmm. funny. Mm -hmm. Then the one got a laugh. She goes, hmm, okay. It's like, she's getting paid to use the audience as a barometer. Mm -hmm. And then you know she's building up for the big special where she's like, I'm just going to do the A material. So. They, they do kind of have that. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. Yeah, go to a stand-up night and see see the bad stuff. Like, the stuff that, like, there will be a testing guy who goes up there. Pucks, I guess. What's that? They're testing it on you on pop. Oh, absolutely. There was, I mean, there's a guy who went up, he did a pedophile joke, and it just, you just hear, <coughs> yeah. Like, and he's like, okay, I'll see you next time. And I was like, it just didn't land. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, dude. Yeah, it's a good point. 
I think it's also weird too, like, because Dave Chappelle, it, I mean, we get this too. If we did a live show in LA and we asked, we tweeted it out to Funhouse fans and they came, they bought tickets and they came, mm-hmm. and then we said anything, they're already kind of there, they're bought in. Mm-hmm. So Dave Chappelle, to do that editing, has to find a place where they're not already going to leap at the opportunity to see Dave Chappelle live and mm-hmm. laugh at all the things he said. Even in that Sticks and Stones special, there's this one dude you can see every time they kind of shoot over his left shoulder. There's this guy who's dying at everything. Mm-hmm. That's Other how I people... felt about doing the kind of funny thing at RTX was like, well, you know who I am. You're going to laugh at oh. anything that oh, I yeah. say. Yeah. For if us, I tried great. that somewhere, yeah, it, yeah and you're yeah, comfortable. Yeah. I wasn't worried at all. I was like, they're happy to be here. Yeah. It doesn't. It's always going to be fine. But if yeah. I went and did that somewhere else, it would probably be a complete Oh, yeah. Thing. I yeah. think about that the, the, every time that we've done it, I'm like, this is a built-in audience. Yeah. They've mm-hmm. come here to you're laugh. Doing, you're doing yeah. a stand-up they, simulator. At you specifically. Yeah. <laughs> they're excited to see you walk on stage. Like, it's it, just... It feels good, but you will only truly find out if that those jokes are good if someone who doesn't know or care about you laughs true and and says i was actually really happy troy baker was there for for my most recent setup and i heard him laughing at at a joke i made about my being kidnapped as a child <laughs> i just try to make jeff laugh um or well jeff jeff laughs at everything though no Sometimes. Trust me, he doesn't. <laughs> it's like finding those types of things. But you have no, for all those stand up we did and stuff, like there's no way to know if anything we said was actually funny unless no. we go to Flappers in Burbank and try it yeah. on a Tuesday night. Could be with, completely different. With a, a drunk audience that didn't get much sleep that night yeah. and their, their wife left them and they're drinking their sorrows away and they're like, make me laugh, clown. Yeah. And then you go, well, I got my period and you go, boo. Or, or even what? worse than that, they're sitting there with their two minutes of jokes that they are just desperately trying to memorize, to think about, to wait to hear their name called to see if they're actually going to get up and go tonight. That's yeah. what's on their mind. True. And now you have to make that person laugh. Like, yeah. that's that's always, why it's so terrible. I just always think of D doing stand-up on It's Always Sunny. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so good. That guy- that- I, I like I resonate with that. That guy Tony said he'd make me one of his regular girls. He did. He did say that. Which pimp was this? I forget his name. <laughs> what? Tony. It's like Tony Lightning, Tony Thunder. Oh. I don't know. Tony. He was like he's Nick's the, buddy that he yeah. was the MC for the club the, for the first the first one we did. And he's like did. he was like he's like I'll make you one of my regular girls. Do you want to do this? And I was like regular girl. <laughs> like bottom bitch. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Maybe cool. Cool. a little bit creepy. <laughs> Uh, he was delightful I need to thank Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the podcast from websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business you can use Squarespace's template designs for all major content types to suit your needs including pages galleries blogs commerce calendars and more I actually have new writers who are trying to get into games media and the like ask me how to get They're writing out there all the time, and I highly recommend starting a portfolio that includes everything you've ever written, even if it wasn't published anywhere else. Throw it on your fancy Squarespace site and link it on your social channels, and you're already basically 10 steps ahead of most other new writers. If you want to go even bigger, you can also have multiple contributors on one site with your site manager, plus simultaneous posting to automatically post anything written by anyone to Twitter, Facebook, or Tumblr. So if you want to jump in and start your own Squarespace for this reason or, you know, any other reason you might want a website because it is very versatile. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash dudesoup to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com slash dudesoup. Thank you, Squarespace, for sponsoring uh, this episode of Dude Soup. Thank uh, you, Tony. We, I had not here. several <laughs> other subjects, but we, I, I kind of figured we would end up talking about stand-up this whole time. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to end this by asking 
if you guys have recommendations for people who are new to stand up, like what are your favorite specials or specific comedians that you'd recommend to anyone who oh, wants God. to get into watching stand up? Uh, to get into watching, I would to to kind of counter the like edge lord humor we talked about this whole podcast. I would yeah, recommend. Well, I love Steve Martin. Oh, that, Steve that, Martin's one sure of my my he's, he's one of the best my greatest time, loves but. of my life. But I would say Ron Funches because mm-hmm. he is such a positive comic. Mm-hmm. Like he he definitely does not punch down. He's it's like super, the Paddington of comics. He's super su- sweet, and he 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 definitely punches punches up. And or if not even that, I'm it's not even, he's not even really punch. Yeah, he's not even really punching. And uh, I also love uh, I love Chelsea Peretti, who she's got oh an a right hook of sass on her. But if you've ever listened to her old podcast, she does this podcast where she takes calls from people and it's fantastic. Oh, okay. And people will be super fucking weird, but it never feels like she's mocking them. Mm-hmm. Like even somebody calls and they're like, Hey, I'm just, you know, I'm sitting here on the, the couch watching golden girls with my goat. And she'll go, Oh my God. Like your goat is the coolest goat I've ever, like she yeah. never seems to what be like, episode of golden girls. Yeah. She, she never seems to be like, Oh, I'm going to take that this person's weird, and I'm going to run with it and make it a, a bit. No, she's kind of she finds a way to to take it and make humor out of it that's not at that person's expense, and I really really admire that. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say like Steve Martin because he's a pretty absurdist comic. He's a wild and crazy but guy. He's, he he always manages to be <laughs> absurd without being necessarily offensive. Though I guess when you think about the jerk. It's kind of like a barometer, ever-changing barometer True. thing. But like his stand-up, for the most part, is like he's he's wacky and he's absurd. So it's not all set up punchline, but he's pretty clean and pretty safe, especially by today's standards for everything, which is a cool thing to strive for. Yeah. Um, Reggie Watts, I've oh, seen yeah. his stand-up; it's real good. Because yeah. um, he's the he's like the modern version of that, where he's just like nonsensical, absurd. Mm-hmm. I think Mitch Hedberg is. One of the best stand-ups of all time. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, and then, of time. course, Dave Chappelle is amazing yeah. too. Uh, so. Eddie Izzard's "Dressed to Kill." Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's like that, that's. I think technically clean. Uh, Most of it, I think it's. Yeah. It's just he's just he's funny and he's smart. Yeah. And like and it's a it's a really nice combo. And then I forget the name of the one, but Dana Carvey's. Yes. The, yes. When he ends it with the chop and broccoli. Oh, yeah. His whole the, Comedy Central used to just run stand up bits yeah. when I was a kid. I'd get home and just watch them all day. Dana Carvey just did yeah. that six episode like mini podcast with Conan. Yeah. And it's funny because he's doing all these bits and then eventually at one episode, Conan's like, What are you looking what paper are you looking at? And I guess Dana Carvey, he would write down like do a Jimmy Stewart bit. Like, he wouldn't write, like, notes or dialogue, but he just he just made a little notes. And Conan's like, we're doing a podcast. You don't have to pull out your paper. Yeah. And But it, he's, he, I guess he's, like, he's an old school mm-hmm. comic guy. Like, he's not, yeah. you know, a, a 25-year-old YouTuber that yeah. he goes in and does yeah. whatever. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's remarkable. Yeah. I love him. Uh, not stand-up comedy, but I would say if you were ever to, uh, probably my all-time favorite comedian of all time was Phil Hartman. Mm. Only because the dude never broke. There's a like watch him do uh, unfrozen caveman lawyer. Like watching it today, where he's saying stuff like, like I think a lot of SNL cast now that people find the humor and the breaking of it, but like mm. that dude committed and just when he's sitting there and he's just got this makeup on and the forehead <laughs> brow. There's <laughs> a so Phil good. Hartman like uh, documentary or something yeah. something coming out soon. About Phil Hartman? Yeah. There's some, some special or something. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I've probably said it before, but like, I never I never really get too sad or upset over like celebrity deaths because I'm like, I don't know them. Also, but like, I think as a kid, I cried when Phil Hartman died because mm-hmm. I was like, 
he meant a lot to me. Yeah. And I was like, Simpsons and SNL and stuff. And I was just like, dude was a, mm-hmm. he was I, a treasure. And that was, that sucked. I was the same way when Robin Williams died. I know, and I saw yeah. it. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> he was How also was on news. Robin Williams is stand up aged. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's aged poorly. Elect- yeah. well, but, I mean, but he's, he's electric. Oh, God. I mean, well, that's why I still like Well, did you ever him. see the, uh, it was the Aladdin like making of where they're talking about how they convinced um, Robin Williams to play the genie. They animated one of his stand-up bits. Mm-hmm. Oh, no way. And he's like, oh, I'm talking one of my heads. Here's another head. And they just and then he's like, oh, wow, that works really well. Yeah. They just did like a quick little animatic. And it's it, it's pretty seamless because genie is basically a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. uh, when you watch Aladdin. Yeah. But, I know. I, mean, of, oh. I was just going to say, like, you're talking aged in terms of like culturally yeah. and stuff. I mean, it's, I'm sure if you just watched it right now, today, it would be like, whoa, what are all those voices? He, how's he doing? Um, he had a, he was in a Middle Eastern man's taxi cab, and he's yeah. doing the voices and everything like that. But God, it's just, it's, it's so, so much energy. He's doing a lot yeah. of coke he was, and stuff. He was very endearing. He does, he like, does 120 minutes of stand-up in 80 minutes. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. I yeah. know someone that was a former aspiring stand-up comic, and they went to, a, they, were, they had a set at a club one night, and then Robin Williams showed up and went to the owner and was like, I want to do impromptu stand-up set. And this was six months ago, so it was no. real weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, like, of course, the club owner's not going to be like, oh, no, Robin Williams, you can't do this. So this dude had to follow Robin Williams, <laughs> do stand-up. This is like, probably, like, mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I would have just asked if I could not go up. Yeah, if, like, if, I would have been like, can he just have my time and I won't do it. After he also um, made a huge faux pas because he went up to Robin Williams at the bar and was like, I'm a huge fan can I buy you a drink? And Robin Williams was like, oh, no, that's okay. Or I don't, Actually, I don't know if he took the drink or not. But then it, it did come out like the next day that he was like, had just gotten out of rehab or was going to rehab nice. or something for drinking. And, dr- nice. and, yeah. and the guy was like, oh, my God. Like, I just yeah. fucked that night up real bad. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw out honorable mention to Gallagher. <laughs> Wait, which honestly, one? Which one? Gallagher? Not the brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, true okay. Gallagher. Oh. Only because... Honestly, as stupid as it is in concept, I used to laugh a lot as a kid when he would just bring out a fruit and go, hey, and you see the people in the front row. <laughs> I mean, he did a full routine before he would start smashing fruit, but I mean, Alana, he's so brave. other comedians, which Gallagher is your favorite? Liam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I think uh, Sarah Silverman's new show oh, is really good. Yeah. It's not stand-up, but it's, it's still I Love You, America. America. Yeah. I think canceled. I canceled, though. Did it? Mm-hmm. Emmy, yeah. Emmy nominated and canceled. I had no yeah. idea. That's crazy. Yeah. I think he just had the one season, but it was it was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a good take on still hot topics, but she never punches down, even even though yeah. she has the opportunity to. Yeah. Um. But yeah, do we any anyone else we want to mention before we wrap up? Oh God, there's so many. I wish I had made a list. Yeah. Or something. Like yeah. I said, I mean, it was Comedy Central was one of the greatest Eddie comedy Murphy. teachers. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Needs Raw. to be mentioned. Yeah. I mean, um, Richard Pryor and George Carlin are. I mean, like, you could watch those today, and they are still I hilarious. did. I watched Richard Pryor, like, one of his really old sets, like, two weeks ago for the first time ever, and was like, it's still great. Yeah. Still yeah. Awesome. Billy yes. Crystal. <laughs> Billy mean, Crystal. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. I used to listen, like, so my dad had Billy Crystal comedy <laughs> records when I was a kid, so I did listen to them. Even mm-hmm. old Woody Allen's still pretty funny. I mean, it's like, he used to do stand-up back in the day. It's pretty clean, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, just a neurotic you know, Jewish guy from New York just talking about his life, and mm-hmm. it's like, eh, it's pretty good. Yeah. But there's I always, I like British comedians that we've left out as well. Yeah, too. no, absolutely. Oh, uh, I mean, like, I guess Monty Python's more of a sketch show, but yeah. even even when they they did their um, 
eulogy or their their wake for Graham Chapman, mm-hmm. and they kick over the urn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like to, to the last moment, know, it's man. still everything's still a yeah. joke to them. And yeah. like, oh, there's that's what good comedians do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a certain it's a volatility. Certain people hold comedy in higher regard than numerous other things. And I think that gets people in trouble a lot. I know it's gotten me in trouble that I'm like, but it's comedy. I love comedy. And people are like, but in my life, that's not the most important thing. And you should understand that. And I go, I understand. Write a funeral, put your dick away. (laughs) Yeah. It's not that But it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. It drew a hat on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week's episode of Dude Soup. We will see you all next week. Uh, Buy the t-shirts. Mm. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, baby.